What a crazy week uh, we have just had. I, if I think about it, it's hard for me to remember a week where there was more chaos and change than what we just went through. I'm thinking back to last week, or maybe a week and a half ago, the overseers and I and Johnny were discussing, hey, how is coronavirus going to impact our church? What do we need to adjust? We're talking about canceling services, and then uh, the word comes down that we need to cancel uh, services. So we're trying to adjust to that. My kids are getting out on spring break. They come, they're excited. They get sent home with iPads and a letter from the school saying, hey, we're sending this home in case we don't gather back together for a while as a school. We had spring break plans, but with the virus, we changed those. I had time off of work, but with you know the developments of the last week, it's like all that changed. And then I was in a meeting on Monday uh, making plans for how we're going to adjust and what we're going to do. And uh, we get out of the meeting and then there's new directives of how we need to adjust. And so, so many things changed so fast. I talked to one uh, family in our church who was going to Colorado for spring break and they arrived there and then the place they were staying closed uh, because of Corona virus. I talked to another person who said, my business, you know, one day we've got all these orders and then the next day it's dead and I don't really know kind of how all this is going to shake out. So I imagine uh, that you, like me, like many of us, have had a very chaotic week. If you're a a kid uh, and you were on spring break, then you look forward to, uh, you know, the, oh, spring break is extended at least for a while. Uh, until you find out you do need to do homework at home. So I don't know how you feel about that, and you can't go play with your friends because everyone's got to stay. So for kids, you're affected. College students, you're coming back from spring break. You're thinking about the end of your semester, and then all of a sudden that's moved online, and I'm sure that affects you in a wide number of ways. Parents, you're thinking about what are we doing with our kids now out of school and kind of starting to be homeschool people, whether we like it or not. And uh, man, just a wild week. And then in the workplace, moving from going to a job to going, uh, working from home, from having certain meetings to try and figure out how to do things online to industries changing literally overnight as we kind of all adapt to the coronavirus hitting uh, the United States. So chaotic week and As I was thinking about you and I was thinking about our church, uh, the Lord put a scripture on the heart from Philippians that I think will bring encouragement to us. I think will bring peace to us. I think will bring a sense of God's presence and God's power at work in our midst and help us all as we navigate the changes that are before us. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, and for the next several weeks, we're going to be going through this incredible book of Scripture. It's written by the Apostle Paul, uh, which if you're familiar with the Bible, you probably know that he wrote uh, Philippians. He's one of the major leaders of the early church. He was an apostle. God used him mightily. What you may not know, though, is that he actually wrote this letter to the church while Paul was in jail. His life had just radically shifted as well. He had been going and blowing in ministry, traveling around, seeing God move in power, doing signs and wonders, people's lives being transformed, and then all of a sudden, uh, he's in jail. And it's not like he hadn't faced difficulty before, but this was now 
I'm, I'm locked up. I can't go where I thought I was going to be able to go. I can't be with these people that I thought I was going to be able to be with. My, my, my world is turned upside down. And he's writing the letter to a church in the city of Philippi. And Philippi, they were known for their patriotism to the Roman Empire. They were really big into Caesar is Lord. And so now these Jesus followers who are young in their faith, they're saying, well, it's not Caesar who's Lord, but Jesus is Lord. And as they're making that declaration, it's causing all sorts of problems for them, all sorts of chaos all sorts of confusion as their world changes, as they learn what it means to follow Jesus and the ramifications thereof. So here, we're going to get to listen into a seasoned father of the faith who has just been through a quite turbulent time and finds his circumstances all out of whack from what he planned, writing to a church who is undergoing similar things. And as I read this, I just believe that there is encouragement for us today, not just from Paul and the way the Philippians responded, but from the Holy Spirit, that God spoke through these words and is speaking through these words to you and to me as you sit in your home, in your apartment, on your phone, with your laptop or TV, however you're taking this in with your earbuds, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to bring encouragement peace and perspective for all of us through these particular words. So if you'd open your Bible to Philippians chapter 1, you're going to get a lot more out of this if you take out the scriptures for yourself and read along. When we engage with God's word personally, it just takes it deeper. And so I want you to take that out. I'm going to read Philippians 1. I'm reading in the NIV translation. You read in whatever translation uh, you have in front of you. Philippians 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all of God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to stop right there just on that phrase, grace and peace to you. As Paul is writing them, the first thing that he wanted to communicate to the Philippians was that there was grace available to them. That that grace means it's the power of God to do the will of God. It's the unmerited favor of God upon their lives. There's power from God available for them. And there's peace available for them. Two things that I imagine they needed as they were trying to navigate their world. And I believe that all of us need this week as we're trying to navigate ours. Power and peace. And notice what he says here. He says that power and the peace, the grace and the peace, isn't coming from his circumstances. It's not coming from the Philippians' circumstances. There's lots of uncertainty around them. Now, I personally like when I have a sense of power and control over my own daily life. I like to make my own choices. I like to go places when I want to go. I like to be able to watch what I want to watch, to to buy what I want to buy. All of those things, right? I imagine you like those too. And I like peace. I like when things are comfortable. I like when it's like, man, this is a good time. And so when our circumstances change 
And it throws off my sense of power and your sense of power, my sense of peace and your sense of peace. It's so important that we realize this. What the Philippians needed to realize, what Paul had realized, is that there's a sense of God's power and a sense of God's peace that was available to them, not found through their circumstances, not found through being in control, not found through being comfortable, but found through Christ. That in Christ, there was power and there was peace for them. And there's power and there is peace for you and for me today. Not from our circumstances, not from us being in control, but from Christ Himself. Jesus Christ has grace and peace for you and for me. So even as we get started here with this text, I just want to stop and minister to you. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you. So if you would just, I imagine we all need this, so if you would just take your hands and put them out like you're receiving something, I want to speak these words over you. I want to speak the grace of God over you that's available to you in Jesus. Right now, I'm just seeing grace filling your heart and filling your mind. This sense of power that comes from the Lord that He is available for us, that God has for you. I release that grace in Jesus' name. And I release that peace in Jesus' name into your heart, into your mind, into all the spinning fears and anxieties and worries, the bad dreams, the sleep. I release that peace for you. Later on in Philippians, it's going to say that the peace of God works like an umpire on our lives, that it guards us, that it officiates us. And I release that peace to guard and officiate, to rule your heart and your mind right now in the power of the Holy Spirit because of Jesus. That was the first thing that they needed to know was that there was grace and there was peace for them. Paul goes on to speak about how much he loves them, his relationship with them. He says in verse 3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, God will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you, about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So he begins to speak about their relationship and their connection that they have in Christ. Now this is so important because imagine Paul has just gone from being able to meet with people face to face in physical proximity to now being locked away in a jail. There's no physical proximity. I mean, he is practicing social distancing to the max. Right, And he's having to adapt. He's having to use uh, different technology to be able to connect and communicate than he was used to. He's turning to writing letters. Uh, in our generation, we're turning to using platforms like YouTube, like you're watching this video on. But he's having to innovate and adapt that way. And yet, even though there's a physical distancing, 
There's a partnership that remains. There's a relationship that remains. There's a connection between the Philippians and Paul that remains. And that was important for Paul, and that was important for them. He's talking about, hey, we are in this together. We are partners together. We are partnering in the gospel. We're a spiritual family. And the Philippians, I'm sure, needed to hear that as so much was shaking around them to remind them that even though they might have felt alone, they weren't alone. That they were connected to a larger spiritual family, both in their city, right, but also around the world. That there were other followers of Jesus, that though they couldn't be physically present with one another, there was a connection between them. There was a partnership between them. God had brought them together. And I think that's significant for us in the times that we face to remember that though we might be alone, you might be alone in your apartment right now. You might feel like you're disconnected from people. What I want you to know is that you have a church family, just like the Philippians had a church family, just like Paul had a church family. You have partners in the gospel. You have friends. You have community centered around Jesus, Christ-like community that you are connected to that I'm connected to, that we're connected to together, even if for a short while we can't be physically present together. There's community and connection for us. And I want to encourage you, as Paul did, uh, not to undervalue that. Not to say, well, I'm locked up in jail, i, I got to be alone, and I'm just going to kind of check out. No, he's staying engaged relationally. And even he's talking about, I long for you all with the affection of Christ. I want to encourage you to remember in this time, your brothers and sisters in Christ here in the church. Not to check out and, and disengage, but for us to stay engaged and to stay appreciative of one another and in fellowship and relationship with one another. The overseers, we had a group text going. We're using video to communicate with one another. And Jay and Koshi remarked, he said, you know, it's times like these that make me really value the relationships I have in the church. And that's true for all of us. We want to be relationally connected. And we don't really know how all the next several weeks are going to unfold and months are going to unfold. There might be as much change next week as we experienced last week. But what we can do is we can stay together. We can stay connected. We can stay planted together and in relationship with one another. And so practically, I want to encourage all of us to stay engaged with our life groups. I want to encourage all of us to stay engaged with these times here on Sunday morning. So as a community, we're adapting some of our rhythms, but we're staying focused on what we're called to do. And we're called to be that family for one another. So we're going to be putting these services online each and every Sunday while we're in this extended social isolation deal or self-distancing deal, social distancing deal. We're going to be putting these online. And this is a way for our family to come together for this time. Even though we may not be physically present, we can be spiritually present in one another's lives as we come together now. And then in our life groups, Uh, Through the use of technology, I was seeing uh, pictures all week long of different life groups coming together using technology like FaceTime to stay connected and to stay engaged. And I want to encourage you to be proactive in doing that, 
to not disconnect right now. You need the relationships that God has put in your life here in this church. You need them to be able to make it through and to be able to walk in Him. And we need you. We need each other, right? We're interdependent. And so I want to encourage you to stay engaged in life group and even to lean in in discipleship. Within our life groups, we set up discipleship groups, these small groups of two to six people where we focus on being formed in our relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you to lean into those in this time, to lean forward in discipleship and to lean forward in community within your life group. That's how we can make sure we experience the same thing that Paul was talking to the Philippians about, this relationship and this partnership that they had together. Uh, If you get sick during this time, or you're impacted by the sickness, maybe economically, I want you to lean into your life group. You don't have to go it alone. You're not an orphan. An orphan has to figure out how to do things alone, right? You are a son You are a daughter. That means we've got a family to lean into where we can believe God together and we can work together and take care of each other. Paul then goes on in in verse 9 and he says this remarkable prayer. He says this, This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And I love this prayer. Paul's leaning into prayer and he's talking about that he's praying for them all the time. He's praying for them with joy. He's lifting them up in prayer. And later in scripture, he calls them to be people of prayer as well. He's going to say that as they pray, this is one of the ways that they can practically experience the peace of God that would guard their heart and their mind was as they engaged in prayer as well. So as a community, one of the things that we want to do to walk in that peace that God has for us and to walk in that grace that he has for us is not just to stay engaged in relationship with one another, but we want to stay engaged in prayer. And we want to press into prayer. We want to turn to prayer in these times. I love watching TV. Uh, I love watching movies. I love all that kind of stuff. And I go for it. But I don't want that just to fill us up so much that we neglect praying, right? Because those movies and TV shows, they never can fill us and give us the peace that we need. They can bring us joy for a moment, but God wants to give us peace that surpasses understanding, and it's going to come in the place of prayer. And so I just want to honor our staff team and the way they've been working to adjust in the midst of all these changes, and I want to talk to you about some prayer things that we have going on to help all of us to press in in prayer and to engage in prayer as Paul is modeling and then exhorting the Philippians to. At a personal level, we want to encourage everyone on a daily basis to be alone with God, to be with Jesus in prayer. And we have a website put together, bewithjesus.me. And we have a daily podcast on our podcast feed, the Antioch Daily, to help us all engage with God in prayer personally. Secondly, we're going to be doing daily prayer as a church. 
from noon to one. We can't gather physically, but online, and it's on our website where you can access it. We're going to be praying together from noon to one, Monday through Saturday, as an opportunity. We can't go out to lunch. You can't meet someone uh, for a lunch appointment, but we can meet together and meet with the Lord in prayer. You can find out more about that, the details of how to be a part on our website, but we're going to be pressing in in prayer. And then the Antioch movement, because we're part of a larger church family than just uh, our, our local church here in Dallas, the Antioch movement is calling us to 24-7 prayer. And they're highlighting people to, we can sign up and take an hour to seek the Lord in prayer and know that we're a part of prayer contending for God to break through in this time of the coronavirus, contending for breakthrough 24-7. I've got a spot on that prayer wall, my wife and I, we do. I want to encourage you to jump on that. Again, details on that are on our website, but it's a way that we can engage as a movement in 24-7 prayer, believing for healing, believing for God to break through, and even more than just breakthrough, believing for revival in these times, believing for God to move in power. We want to be people of prayer, and it's how we access the peace that God has for us. Then Paul goes on, and this is what I want to spend most of our time on, uh, and when I say most of our time, we're, we're not going to be here a ton more time. I imagine many of you are watching with your kids, so I understand that. But, but in verse 12, it says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. The word that stuck out to me so powerfully in this was actually. And this was so powerful to think about. Paul was saying, you know, what looked like I'm going to be in jail for a long time. I don't know if I'm going to get out. I don't know if I'm going to be put to death here. What looks like something that's a really bad situation that all of us would want to avoid, and I'm sure Paul wanted to avoid, but actually, God was at work. Actually, God was on the move. Actually, there were things that were happening as a result of the chaos and confusion in Paul's life that he wanted to make sure the Philippians saw, and I believe the Holy Spirit wants to make sure that we see, is that even when our circumstances are adverse and they're not working out like we want to, like we planned, like we thought they were going to, even when it looks like, man, this is not good, actually, God is at work with his redemptive purposes. Paul says one of those things is that his imprisonment has served to advance the gospel. So actually they thought they were putting me in chains and they were locking the gospel up, but actually the gospel's going forward because now everyone around them, all the palace guard, understand that uh, what the message of Jesus is. And there are others who saw Paul locked up and that made them more bold to share the gospel. So actually what the enemy intended for evil, locking him up, God used for good to advance the gospel. And I want to leave that word with you today, actually. 
And I would encourage you to begin to think, at one level, being shut down, not being able to go to work, not being able to go to school, working through the virus, of course we all want those things to be over. I'll be ready for those things to be over as soon as possible. And yet, actually, God is on the move even in this time. And God is on the move in your life. And I want to help you see that here in this moment. So I want to tell you uh, a few of the ways that actually God has been on the move in our church, even in this time of chaos and confusion. Uh, One way, last week, a guy in our church uh, took church virtually into the home of a friend and their family. And this friend and family, they weren't followers of Christ. And and because they set up the TV, they were able to stream in the gospel. They were able to bring church to them. And the parents and the family ended up giving their life to Christ. So actually, I mean, what looked like a bummer that we couldn't gather together actually served to advance the gospel. And there are people today that are naming the name of Jesus that weren't a week ago. But because of all the chaos and confusion, actually... God was setting them up to come to know him. Another one, uh, a husband who during our 21 days of prayer and fasting said, my one big thing is that I would pray consistently with my wife this year, right? And in the slowdown of the coronavirus, he said, you know what? Actually, this slowdown, while frustrating, has created time and space for us to pray. So his one big thing is coming to pass and he's being consistent with his wife in prayer. That's awesome. And it's the, the chaos and the confusion that gave them the opportunity to actually, oh, God is setting us up to take the step that we really desired to be able to take. Uh, some people in a life group saw the economic ramifications of the coronavirus and the slowdown economically. And, and you know, we think when that happens, it's like, man, I better be conservative right now. Let me cut my extra expenses. Let me kind of make sure that I've got enough left over. But, and, and while that's wise, and I encourage you to do that, this couple saw actually an opportunity for radical generosity that God had for them. And God put on their heart to give money to each person in their life group just as an act of generosity to help people be able to purchase the things that they needed to purchase during this time. When I heard that, I had tears in my eyes at the power and the goodness of God working through a couple who said, you know what, circumstances would say this, but actually God wants to move in this way. That is amazing. Uh, Another story that I heard, Uh, one couple got to share the gospel using the three circles deal that Ellen did last week, got to use that diagram uh, with some of their neighbors uh, recently. And the neighbors had noticed the peace this couple walked in, peace like we're talking about today. They noticed the peace that they walked in, even in this time of chaos. And they said, what is that peace and why do you have it? And they were able to walk them through the gospel and explain that that peace comes from Jesus and offer it to them. So again, what looks like chaos on the outside actually served as an opportunity to advance the gospel. Last one that I want to share with you I found quite remarkable. There's a a researcher at Stanford 
who studies pollution, and he had been studying the effects of the coronavirus shutting down industries on the pollution over different areas. And in this particular article that I read, he was talking about China, although I'm sure that he could have talked about many places around the world. But get this, he said that he showed images of with the pollution before the shutdown, and then after, all the pollution went away in such a significant amount that he said it saved, on estimate, 77,000 lives. The decrease in pollution saved 77,000 lives. That's unbelievable. That's more lives than the coronavirus has taken. And I'm praying and believing for the virus to be eradicated and stopped and, and over. I'm ready for it to be over. And at the same time, God is doing things to save and to restore and to redeem what the enemy has meant for evil. God is turning for good. And so when this video is over, what I want to encourage you to do as a family, uh, if you're with your roommates, with your roommates, if you're by yourself to text a friend or FaceTime a friend, I want you to talk about what's the actually in your life. When you take a step back, what is God doing through circumstances that none of us want, want but he's actually on the move? Uh, my family did this, and we went from kind of being anxious and, and just focused on the day to, wow, we could breathe, and we could experience that peace and that power that uh, the scriptures talk about. Well, actually. And then here as we go, I want to say you may be watching this or listening to this and you don't know Jesus. You don't know this peace and this grace that comes from him. And I want you to know that God wants you to know him. And God wants to come into your life in Jesus. And he wants to wash away your sin. He wants to forgive your sin and heal you and bring grace and bring peace. And so I want to give you an opportunity, if you don't know Jesus right now, here through the power of technology, I want you to know that Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, wants to come into your life today. And if that's you, if you're like, man, I realize I need Jesus, I need peace, I need grace, I need this hope, I want to lead you in a short prayer. To follow Jesus means we repent from our sin. We repent from going our own way. We, we turn around and we say, hey, I'm not going to lead the way anymore. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And when we turn to him, he's already turned to us and he pours the Holy Spirit into our lives and the peace and the grace that we need. So if that's you, if you would just join with me in this short prayer, the words, uh, are, you don't have to get them exactly right. God sees your heart. And if you're wanting Jesus, he is coming for you and he wants to bring that healing and that hope into your life. So just pray with me if that's you, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Jesus Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. Thank you that you rose again to give me new life. Thank you that you have grace and peace available for me today. And I choose to repent of my sin. And I choose to follow you, Jesus. I'm asking you to come into my life and fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, that is the beginning of an incredible relationship with Jesus. And I want to encourage you to go to our website, 
AntiochDallas.org and let us know so we can help you walk in Him. All right, with that, we're going to close our time together here in God's Word, and we're going to continue on in worship.